On today's edition of the Locked On Nets podcast, Josh and I finish our discussion about the best and worst Nets draft picks since 2000. All that and more coming up on Locked On Nets. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Where do we want to go to next? Another worst? Yeah, I'll do a bad one. Um... Okay, this one, uh, a pretty low pick, but and also a pretty recent one. But I'm I'm just kind of frustrated, even though even though we have a, a whole segment named after him. Uh, 2018 oh, wow. draft, the 29th pick. I'm going with Jean and Musa. <laughs> um, just like I, I I wrote down some notes. Like there were there were guys drafted like early in the second round. Uh, who have obviously become much better than Jean Musa, guys like Jalen Brunson, Devontae Graham, Mitchell Robinson, who we mentioned, and Kendrick Nunn was undrafted. So, like, not only, like, passing up on those guys who, I get it, like, picks that late are very fluky, and uh, you're kind of just taking, like, a shot in the dark anyway. But with Musa, like, after these two seasons, it just kind of seems like he's bad and, like, he will not be in the league for much longer. Um so, like, ideally, you want to at least get someone who can, like, survive more than just their rookie contract with this pick. And, and it's probably just that I've watched him uh, so much compared to some of these other guys, like the older Nets. But, yeah, just, like, not a good pick. And I remember at the time I was watching this draft with you and Gavin. Uh, they picked him and they picked Rody. And uh, I don't think any of us had heard of any of them. Uh, I remember having to uh, look up. Well, I just remember, like, having to look up how to pronounce uh, Moose's first name. Uh, right after because you guys are into a podcast like it was a pick that at the time wasn't like oh yeah this makes sense like they're they're taking this guy like it's not like they took like a four-year senior from college who like has a low ceiling but is like going to contribute at least uh they took a guy who was definitely a risk and it seems like has not uh paid off yeah no i mean that's fair listen i didn't consider janan for uh for my worst list just because i think one it's a very low pick but yeah. I have guys who are low picks on my thing, uh, on my list. But the opportunity cost was like a lot of the, and I think the ones you're going to see later, these are guys where if the Nets had hit even a decent player, it could have made a big impact on the franchise. And Musa, you know, I get it. You're throwing something at the wall for the 29th pick. You're just trying to see what, what works out. It has not so far. It doesn't look like it will. Um, but still, I want to give him some more time over a season and a half. But that being said, I'm not bullish on him. Uh, but figured... Uh, it's not really fair to him to give him uh, to give up on him so soon and include him on the worst list because there's plenty of other guys <laughs> whose stories have been written and we know that they're uh, for sure very bad also. Yeah, definitely, and I'm sure you have uh, some good ones lined up. I have I have one more that I will I will get to, but but let's hear yours first, Josh. Okay. So my second to worst pick uh, since 2000 for the Nets, Zoran Planinich. <laughs> Are you familiar with Zoran, Marcus? <laughs> uh, just from seeing the name on these lists, but I did not know who this was. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> he was like, uh, what was he, like Croatian? He was a, a Bosnian guard. He was like really tall for a guard. He was like 6'7", but basically like a stick. And this kind of goes with what I was saying before with the opportunity cost, because he was taken in that famous 2003 draft. Um, and, you know, Obviously, the guys at the top were, were some really great picks. You have Hall of Famers like LeBron, Melo, Bosch, Wade, guys lower that made an all-star team like a David West, Josh Howard. Um, but for me, Plananich 
reason I'm putting him here is because the Nets, remember, they were coming off back-to-back finals appearances. They had taken the Spurs six games. And say what you will, it wasn't really a close six games. They still did it. And they could have used an impact player to come in and be able to at least help the team uh, and give them some more depth. Instead, they went with Planinich, who was terrible. Um, he played 148 games for the Nets. That was really it. He couldn't do anything offensively. I just don't even know what his skill set was coming into the league. His only highlight, which I remember, is he caught, there was like a, maybe the end of the first quarter, end of the second quarter, one game. There was like maybe a second left. They inbounded him the ball, uh, and he was standing basically uh, at the free throw line on the far end of the court. So basically he had to throw the ball 70-odd feet. Uh, and he just flinged it, and it went in. It was the craziest thing ever. It You have to, Google, Marcus, try to Google the shot. Yeah, I'm I'm on his Wikipedia right now, and literally about his professional career, it says, Plotinich's three NBA seasons were not notable, with his only distinguishing moment coming in the 2005-06 season when he hit a spectacular full-court 77-foot third-quarter ending buzzer beater at a November 9th, 2005 home win against the Utah Jazz. I definitely uh, need to look this up because... Uh, a, I'm not sure who this guy is. His his picture on Wikipedia, uh, he's kind of like crouched over, dribbling a yeah, ball. This, yeah, this looks like a Woody Harrelson character, maybe. He does look like Woody Harrelson. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yes, I can't believe they have that play on his Wikipedia page. <laughs> he was, uh, yeah, he was, he was incompetent. Um, Oh, apparently that he had another play of the day. He's a career mix highlight on YouTube. <laughs> oh my god. Have you seen those threads on Twitter where it's like uh like Lou Amundsen was really like fire in his prime or something? It's like people just posting like minute long mixtapes of like just really yeah. random NBA players. You should make a Planinich one, Josh. I think there is a Planinich one. <laughs> oh, I'm looking at this now. I mean this is like this is one of the craziest shots. We're gonna have to tweet this out. Okay. Yeah. Have you seen it? I'm gonna text it to you. Yeah, text it to me. <laughs> this is insane. But oh, okay, I remember this. This is basically the only thing notably thing he did in his whole career. Um, there was an opportunity cost of taking someone that could have at least helped the Nets. I mean, the guys uh, I'm reading after him, not saying they're world beaters, but Travis Outlaw was at least okay before coming to the Nets, and then obviously mm-hmm. you know what happened. Delfino could have been very helpful at number 25. Kendrick Perkins at 27, the Brazilian blur, Leandro Barbosa, one of my favorites who had a bunch of good years, Josh Howard at 29, who made an all-star team before really falling off the cliff cliff against Dallas Mavericks, Um, Steve Blake at 38, Willie Green, Keith Bogans, Mo Williams, Kyle Korver, who the Nets traded for the copier. So there definitely were guys, Um, but instead they went with Planich. I don't even know what he was supposed to be coming into the league, and he was... uh, very, very, very poor for the Nets and really could not solve any of their backup guard um, really uh, woes that they had. Yeah, and like you mentioned, like when a team is like really good, you don't have like a ton of options to like actually improve it like beyond uh, trading away big pieces and like trying to uh, bring someone else in who maybe fits better. So like those late round picks, like we've mentioned with Musa, like they're kind of a shot in the dark, but yeah, you would you would like to get someone who can at least contribute, uh, and it seems like the Nets were not able to do that, uh, at least with this pick. Have you looked at the video? I have just pulled it up. Yes, <laughs> it's one of the. It's actually insane. Oh my god! He, he I googled him also. He has a few buzzer beaters. It seems like it's kind of clutch. No, okay, I do remember this because he 
he had this, and then like two games later, he had like a first quarter buzzer beater where he had like a very difficult three. So that was his like shtick for a while. He was just a buzzer. <laughs> and I remember saying to my dad, "This is all coming back." To I was like, "Okay, Planinich at least can do buzzer beaters." <laughs> It's a very niche skill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just bring him in for like with five seconds left. Yeah, so he's playing 20 seconds a game, the last five seconds of each quarter. <laughs> Who's a better Zoran? Him or Zoran Dragic? Uh, I've never seen Zoran Dragic hit a shot from uh, 77 feet, so I might have to go Planinich. I don't know. Okay. Uh, enough. <laughs> Sports have come to a screeching halt with basketball benched and pitchers off the mound, but our friends at MyBookie aren't going to let it get you down. Stay sane and stay entertained with access to your favorite games like blackjack, roulette, slots, war, and more. It doesn't matter whether you're out on the front lines or quarantined at home, the fun doesn't have to come to an end with MyBookie. Video poker not your thing but still need a fix? They've got you covered with a host of live casino dealers online. That's right, they have professional dealers at their tables live on site 24-7. Your favorite squad is sidelined because of the pandemic? Don't even sweat it. MyBookie has partnered with some of the leading esports brands to bring you wagers on virtual action straight from the court in NBA 2K20. Plus, you can always do your part to up your bankroll by taking advantage of shifting odds on political bets. You can trust the industry leaders in times like these. They're reliable, upright, and best of all, they pay fast when you win. Visit MyBookie.ag and use promo code LOCKEDONNBA for a 150% bonus on your first casino deposit. That's promo code LOCKEDONNBA to receive a 150% cash bonus on your first deposit, and you can claim those extra funds all the way up to $750. Use promo code LOCKEDONNBA to activate the offer. That's promo code LOCKEDONNBA. You spin, you win, you get paid. Your next best. Okay. (laughs) Um, So we're only doing three, so I feel like at this point... Uh, it's all been building to this. Have to shout out uh, Brooke Lopez, 2008 draft, the 10th pick. Uh, we talked about it on the uh, best net of the 2010s bracket podcast, uh, which you should listen to if you haven't. But Brooke, pretty clearly uh, one of, if not the best nets of the 2000s, uh, and definitely the best net that they drafted uh, since 2000. Um, over 10,000 points in nine seasons with the Nets, 18 and a half points seven rebounds, a block and a half a game, an all-star team, uh, most points, rebounds, blocks among Nets picks since 2000. Uh, very clearly like a slam dunk pick. And to get him at 10 uh, is pretty impressive as well to not have to like uh, have taken him super highly in that 2008 draft. I'm assuming, Josh, that he was on your list as well. Yes, he was number one on my list. Um, I think you, I mean, you can capture it perfectly. He was really the face of the Nets for a while. And, and he's someone that they were able to get at the 10th pick coming into that draft. He had been talked about going top five, even as high as third, he fell. Uh, and I remember like he was seemed like the type of guy, like, okay, if the Nets just draft him now, there's no way he's going to turn out to be a bust. And not only was he not a bust, but he was someone who was a really consistent force for the Nets. Uh, not only just a great player on the court, but also just a really great guy. And he brought some stability to the Nets in some very tumultuous tenures, um, kind of spanning the the the, uh, the eras of Larry Frank being being sacked and Kiki Vandeweghe taking over as coach, then to Avery Johnson, then to Lionel, and then to Kenny Marks uh, and and some of the interims in between. Uh, so Brooke Lopez, I think the clear winner here. Can I give an honorable mention that I didn't as more of a, a meme pick? 
Of course, yeah. <laughs> How about uh, Scalabrini? Oh, yeah. Picking 01. I considered him. Yeah, yeah. I think, really, I mean, his tenure at the Nets was not like anything to write home about, but he did have his, uh, as, as I always talk about, his infamous game where uh, against the Pistons in the Eastern Conference semis, he went out and, and balled out in a Nets triple overtime win. So he'll always have a fond place in my heart. And I think Nets fans uh, always have a soft spot for Scal, even though he has uh, really tied himself to the hips with the Celtics over the years. Yeah, I was going to say, he definitely like made a name for himself uh, with that title team in Boston in 08. But yeah, he, he started with the Nets, uh, the White Mamba, uh, an all-time legend. Uh, but yeah, bro, uh, just to circle back to Brooke, definitely... Uh, uh, yeah, definitely the Nets' best pick of the since 2000. Uh, that 2008 draft, talented up top with like Rose, Westbrook, Kevin Love. Uh, but then like once you get past the seventh pick, there's not a ton there. Like, uh, just looking at eight through 14, you had Joe Alexander, DJ Augustine, then Brooke, then Jared Bayless, Jason Thompson, Brandon Rush, and Anthony Randolph. So, uh, no one really stands out. Like, there's a couple guys in there who managed to have like solid NBA careers, but. Uh, no one to the degree of Brooke Lopez, who is still uh, a great player for the Milwaukee Bucks, still contributing yeah. defensively and, and stretching the floor for Giannis. So uh, the longevity and then also, like you said, being the face of the franchise for as long as he was. He's like clearly the number one on this list. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, actually, the 20s in this draft. There were some good later picks in this draft, even though the middle. Yeah. Was, looking at Serge yeah. Ibaka, Batum, then George Hill all in a row. Then you had uh, DeAndre at 35, second rounder. Dragic in the second round also. Uh, Knicks fan favorite, Billy Walker as well. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> and then Mozgov undrafted. Mm. Yeah. Mimafe Tozgov. <laughs> okay, we have one more thing to go here. So we are up to our worst Nets pick of the 2000s. Um, I don't know how you feel about this. I feel like there's not there's not a pick that's as bad as Brooke Lopez was good. Do you agree? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. But hit me with uh, I I think my favorite part of this is seeing who you pick as your bad ones because it's a real uh, trip down memory lane for for me. Other <laughs> ones. Um. So first off, I actually kind of messed this up because I had Terrence Williams as my worst. Uh, I went in the wrong order, but I will uh, reveal the third person that I had. Uh, as one of my worst Nets picks. This one is maybe going to be a surprise because he is actually like a decent player and was like pretty solid, but I felt like I wanted to put him on the worst list as opposed to, uh, he's definitely closer to the worst list than the best list. Uh, Derek Favors, the 2010 uh, third overall pick. I think mostly just because he was the third overall pick, uh, which he should not have been. He was drafted ahead of guys like DeMarcus Cousins, Gordon Hayward, Paul George, uh, to name a few. Uh, and this kind of circles back to, uh, what I said with Terrence Williams and like what, uh, my larger point has been, uh, kind of throughout this, I think for, for where the Nets went wrong in the early 2010s is that they missed that Williams pick in 09. They missed, uh, this favors pick in 2010, even though they kind of like spun him into Darren Williams, who, uh, like kind of became, uh, good and then bad for the Nets. Um, favors legacy, like as a net is kind of. Uh, just Darren Williams' legacy as a net uh, as well, since that was like halfway through his rookie season that he was traded. But like, if the Nets had like been able to nail uh, 
that 09 pick and this 2010 pick, like they probably wouldn't have had to trade so much to try to bring in uh, superstars in the first half of the 2010s. And that's like what kind of set them back towards the middle of the 2010s was trading away all those picks. Uh, and uh, yeah, like if they had been able to hit on these these couple picks and Derek Favors, like I said, not a total miss, but uh, definitely there were guys picked after him who uh, could have helped out a lot more. Like, I don't know, it's it's easy to do this in retrospect, but like if uh, the, the Nets had taken, uh, I keep saying it, but like Drew Holiday in uh, one of those previous picks in 2009 and then taken like Paul George in 2010, uh, obviously this is all in hindsight, but if you had a team of John Wall, uh, Paul, or not John Wall, excuse me, uh, Drew Holiday, Paul George, Brooke Lopez with Ryan Anderson there as well, uh, that's a team that you don't have to uh, trade a bunch of picks to the Celtics uh, to try to improve because it's a young team that can kind of grow together and fit together a lot better. So not necessarily uh, favors himself having uh, belonging on this worst pick spot, more so uh, kind of how this couple year stretch was handled in general, I would say. Yeah, okay. I'm shocked, Marcus. Because uh, <laughs> here's my thing with favors. Like, even... He did. He basically did his job. And regardless, it's kind of a yes. If um, the Nets had hit other draft picks and had more of a core built up, they wouldn't have had to trade for D. Will. But the trade itself for D. Will, I think, was fine. I mean, you give up Devin Harris, who was a solid point guard, but D. Will clearly a big upgrade. And then you give up Favors, which which makes sense because Darren Williams was a prime player. But you know, D. Favors only had basically what a fifty odd games with the Nets before they traded, mm-hmm. and he did everything. Uh, that was asked of him in a Nets uniform. He was very, very raw. I think he was the youngest player in the draft coming out that year. Um, only one season at Georgia Tech and was a guy that showed a ton of flashes. And um, it's not like he was a disgraced draft pick in any sense when he got traded away. The Nets were very sad to lose him. And yes, there were some guys picked behind him that were kind of superstars. But um, if you look at the lottery, I mean, you probably have him fifth. Obviously, Wall, Cousins, Hayward, and George. Um go ahead of him but I mean he was drafted one spot behind a guy Ever Turner one spot ahead of Wes Johnson and it's funny because at the time there was like a rumor the day of the draft the Nets were going to take Wesley Johnson with the third pick and I was like oh my god no this is going to be a disaster um because he was had bounced around from Iowa State to Syracuse he seemed basically like a finished product and one that wasn't going to be that good so when they t- took favors I was so relieved but um you know, I don't know. He's stuck around, and I think with injuries and, and all that, um, he definitely could have had a better career. And even if he came around a few years later, they would probably just start him immediately at center as opposed to trying him at the four. Um, so I think he he was almost a guy that came in slightly too early into the league. But he's had a really really solid career. Obviously, not what you want out of the third pick, but it was going to be irrelevant um, in a Nets uniform anyway. Let's say he was a, a huge superstar and blew up. I would actually be more salty. Uh, and, and mm. not remember him as fondly, even though he did have a very solid Nets tenure. Yeah, that's a good point. I think, uh, yeah, like almost all of his career uh, took place outside of a Nets uniform. I think for me, it was just that, uh, like I've said on this podcast, the Nets only with five lottery picks since 2000. Uh, the Kmart pick was kind of uh, neutral, and then RJ and Brooke, great. Terrence Williams, bad. And Favors with the third pick, um, yeah, I think I think closer to bad than good, but probably not one of the worst. But uh, I, I also did not want to repeat with you. I know who you have as your uh, other worst pick, so I would love to hear that, Josh. Do you? 
You didn't you text it to me? Oh, I might have. Yeah. <laughs> Did you know who this guy was before I said it? Uh, he's also in this very same Suns Nets game that I had put on, so oh. uh, would not have known before that. But yes, you're in for a real treat. Uh, <laughs> this is Antoine Wright. Uh, so not someone who was drafted in the lottery right outside the 15th pick in 05. Uh, he was a swingman that really just could not do much of anything. He was billed as a really good shooter coming out of A&M. Could not do that. Um, he probably, I think his rookie season might have been one of the worst tenures of all time. Uh, mm-hmm. 39 games, played 10 minutes a game. Uh, offensive rating of 71 and defensive rating of 107. Uh, just to give you a flavor of the Antoine Wright experience. Similar to what I said about Plunge before. I mean, the Nets were a pretty good team in 05-06. They uh, I think made it to the second round of the playoffs. Were still, um, you know, definitely not what they were a couple seasons before, but had gotten Vince Carter and, and definitely a team that was uh, feisty enough and, and very exciting and could make some noise in the East if they had the right kind of um, surrounding talent to guys like Kidd and uh, and Carter and RJ. But Antoine Wright was not one of those guys. And the thing that really stings for me is that. They took him, who he had like two pretty bad seasons at AM and then blew up one year uh, and then kind of shot up draft boards. But two picks later was guy, same position as Antoine Wright, and his name was Danny Granger. Uh, mm. So they had taken Granger instead of Wright. Uh, his scoring would have been very, very helpful for them. This is the year uh, Wright's uh, rookie season. They got steamrolled by the Miami Heat in the second round with the, the Shaq and Wade team when they went on to win the championship. The Nets were decent uh, for a couple years after, but Wright was just never able to really crack the rotation and make an impact. Um, he got sent to Dallas as part of the kid trade and bounced around the league for a couple years. Just never really made much of an impact. Uh, and Antoine Wright, for me, always sour taste in my mouth. Just don't like the guy. Yeah. Um, you mentioned his rookie year. Uh, second worst among uh, Nets rookies since 2000 in win shares behind only uh, Isaiah Whitehead. Uh, so not great. Uh, that rookie year, two and one averages, two points, one rebound, shot 7% from three, one for 15, uh, 36% from the field, 50% from the line, didn't really do anything well uh, except be on a basketball court. And uh, like you mentioned, was part of that uh, Jason Kidd, Devin Harris trade. That's probably like what he is most known for as an NBA player, which yes, is, so. he's not really known for that, so. <laughs> exactly. I don't think anyone <laughs> would know who this dude is. <laughs> but he still made it to the NBA, and we didn't. We were just talking yeah. on a podcast at home. So, you know what, Antoine Wright, you got us. Yeah, <laughs> he struck again. Uh, so that, you know, that's it. That's our, those are our Josh, before we, before we wrap up, I want to run uh, one more thing by you, just because... Uh, I feel like this has to be mentioned, uh, at least in in passing. The Nets traded away so many draft picks. Uh, I just wanted to read you uh, for a little bit of your of your misery. Uh, a team that could have been assembled with players that were drafted using picks that the Nets traded. Would you Would you like to hear this, or is this too painful for you? Um, it's it's extremely painful, but you know what? Me being numb at the end of this is exactly what we need. Okay. Well, uh, starting five. Damian Lillard, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Kelly Oubre, Draymond Green. Uh, pretty small ball group, but uh, very effective, I would assume. A couple all-stars, possibly future MVP in there in Tatum. Then off the bench, you could have Kyle Kuzma, Colin Sexton, 
Ennis Cantor, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, maybe Kyle Korver for a veteran presence, Pat Connaughton, Gorgie Jang, maybe, 12th man. This is a, a deep team, Jack. I don't care about the bench besides Korver. <laughs> starters really stings. Yeah, the starters. Uh, I forgot that Draymond was also uh, a former Nets pick. Yeah, I mean the second round ones, it's it's fine because like, yeah. yeah, there's gonna be those always, but uh, definitely the the Tatum's of the world. Uh, yes, and the Lillards. Yeah, Lillards. Yeah. Great. Sorry Not to bring you down here, Josh. <laughs> yep. Well, Marcus, you have uh, officially uh, dampened the mood. My spirits are down. And on that note, we are going to wrap up today's podcast. Uh, of course, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean. We will be there. Rate us, review us. Tell us what you want us to talk about. Uh, should we keep doing some of these more best of, worst of? Uh, should we mix it up and do something else? Should we do a movie podcast, a Vanderpump Rules podcast, Ooh. Survivor? Let us know uh, and tweet at us. I am at jmbass underscore. Marcus is at Marcus Barahal. And the podcast is at Locked on Nets. Until next time, be well. Bye.